0: Welcome to Shabbat Replay, a selection of sermon highlights from Mishkan Chicago. The music you're hearing is the stirring string stylings of Kalman Strauss, the composer of our theme music, playing during our Friday night service on January 28th as we celebrated Repro Shabbat. Repro Shabbat is an initiative by the National Council of Jewish Women, an opportunity for congregations, organizations, and communities to celebrate the critical importance of reproductive health. In a time when abortion access is being restricted under the guise of religious liberty, Rabbi Lizzie reminds us that our religious tradition upholds the right to choose. In April 2004, it was a no-brainer for me as a senior in college, completely checked out of my classes in California, to cross the country and go stand at the March for Women's Lives. Um, This was halfway through the presidency of George W., and I stood on the Washington Mall and I held my sign, and it said, another Jewish woman who loves life and kids for choice. I really wanted to find that picture. There is a picture of me holding that sign, but Facebook had just been invented and I wasn't on it yet. So I don't have that picture. And I didn't personally come back with this bullhorn that was made for the occasion, April 25th, 2004. But Marlon Grossman, Zichrona Livracha, many of you may remember her. She was an early Mishkanite, um, an elder in our community. She came back with this pink bullhorn from that, uh, protest, and her wife Sherry gave it to me um, after she died a few years ago to remember her by. We were both at that march that day, as were thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews. The National Council of Jewish Women was also a sponsor for that march, and it's because this issue of freedom and and health, um, the freedom and health of pregnant people, and it's worth saying, um, not just women, people of different gender expressions can and do get pregnant and require reproductive care. Um, Although I may use the shorthand of she and mother throughout this garage, this is a Jewish issue um, for reasons I will explain momentarily. And um, reproductive health is also an issue of religious freedom. Um, And religious freedom is a Jewish issue. In a country where we are far from the majority, and we want to know that our religious beliefs and preferences will be respected, not just in ritual and professional settings, but also in healthcare settings. There are not many issues, uh, political issues, that American Jews can align on in almost universal agreement, but freedom of religious expression in America and the right to choose how to handle a pregnancy are actually two of those issues. Um, that we have near universal alignment in the Jewish community from secular to orthodox. So tonight, I want to explore how this, this powerful intersection and why these rights require our vigilance and action to protect, because it doesn't happen by accident and um, it's far from secure. So it was ingrained in me from a very young age that Judaism as a tradition believes in cultivating, supporting, and saving life nefesh. Maybe you've heard of it, that saving life is the ultimate Jewish value and that all other rules and rituals are suspended if there is even a question of life hanging in the balance. And so if there is ever a person whose life is compromised physically or psychologically by a pregnancy, they are permitted to terminate the pregnancy. And of course, it's not a choice any pregnant person undertakes lightly. But ultimately... Caring for one's life holistically their whole life is the highest Jewish value. And this is one of the principles that undergirds our collective commitment as a people to giving people the autonomy to choose what happens inside of our bodies. So growing up, I have to be honest, I have no idea. I don't know why I knew this was a Jewish traditional value, but I knew it. And my mom, who does not come from a deep Torah background, she knew it too, because she taught it to me, and she taught it to me in the name of Jewish tradition. This is one reason I imagine there were so many Jews at that rally that day, um, and so many Jews involved in organizations like Narrow Pro-Choice and Planned Parenthood. This sense of personal autonomy and caring for our health is a deeply ingrained Jewish value. It's actually a mitzvah. It is a mitzvah to protect one's health. Okay. So it's not like other peoples of the world don't also have it as a value to protect their health, but what is motivating the opposite viewpoint on this particular issue? So the idea of motivating most of the laws, and there are hundreds and hundreds of them now being proposed and on the books across the country, the idea of motivating most of these laws, banning abortion or restricting it, um, even now in the cases of rape and incest, it is also motivated by deep faith, faith that all human lives are sacred and that, f- and that life begins at conception, right? That is a statement of faith and therefore terminating a pregnancy is tantamount to murder, Murder is illegal. Abortion should be illegal. People who commit murder are put in jail. Doctors and providers of reproductive health care, which includes abortion, should be put in jail. It's hard for me to even say those words because they are anathema to me. They they feel completely foreign in my mouth, like I'm saying something um, that I that I don't believe. I believe doctors. Who provide reproductive health care especially in poor and low-income communities where it's hard to access health care i believe these professionals are heroes especially in the face of violent protesters who which is like the ultimate hypocrisy on this issue but with the same depth of conviction that i believe in a person's right to choose what is best for her people coming from this belief have that same depth of conviction that life begins at conception. And this is a commitment based on faith. And it's a particular kind of Christian faith, mostly. Not all Christians share it, of course. I know plenty who don't. But nonetheless, it's not the Jewish faith or tradition. It's not our belief system. And this is what makes it an issue of religious freedom as much as it is an issue of reproductive health. Now, Jews and Judaism also believe that human life is sacred. Actually, that life is sacred, period. But that the human being, the first thing we learn about the human being in the Torah is that we are created B'Tselem Elohim, in the image of God. Of course, every human is sacred. And Jews also believe that something powerful and mysterious and miraculous happens at conception, and throughout the developments of an embryo into a fetus and eventually into a baby. Right. You know, you can, can remember the, um, I don't know if it's a midrash or just sort of an old tale, um, that imagines that inside the womb, there's a little angel that teaches the fetus Torah by the light of a tiny little candle that somehow continues to burn even in the amniotic fluid sac. Um, Jewish tradition deeply respects and and holds with much reverence and mystery the whole gestational process. It's just that our tradition considers that process qualitatively different, and let's be clear, ultimately of a lower priority than the health and the life of the person carrying that life, especially if her life is endangered physically or psychologically by its presence. So the foundational verses undergirding this belief, and this is fundamentally different, from the belief motivating the restrictions and laws trying to ban and restrict abortion. The foundational verses underlying this belief are found in this week's Torah portion, which is why national council of Jewish women puts this week as the week when, when we talk about this. So what happens in this week's Torah portion? Well, last week you may remember it was Mount Sinai. It was the the thunder and the shofars and the chaos of the 10 commandments and the power of the 10 commandments. And, um, this week, and for many weeks hereafter, it's laws, lots and lots of laws. But this week specifically, it's a lot of very, very specific case laws based in ancient scenarios. Like, what happens when your ox, who is known to be violent, kills my ox? And you, person in 2022, might say, what do I care? I don't have an ox. Um However, rather than throw out all of the Torah because of its ancientness, the job of the Jewish reader is to, in every age, try to figure out what the ethical imperative is that flows from that case and apply it to our world. And we get help. You know, the the Mishnah and the Talmud and lots of of sages along the way have, have laid the groundwork for us to do that. So in the case of the goring ox, the violent ox, if the owner knew that it was violent and didn't do anything to stop it, then they are are, uh, responsible for all of the damage that ox causes. Because if you know that you have control over something and it's likely to cause damage or God forbid death to others, you have to do what is in your power to keep others safe. Like for example, get vaccinated. Bam, ancient example, modern application. Rabbi Shai Held writes, biblical laws are to be understood not merely as concrete norms of their day, but as paradigms, as paradigms. In other words, they invite each generation to develop commentary and contemporary commitments that apply the eternal essence of the laws. So what's the eternal essence that we discover in this week's Parsha that undergirds our commitment to reproductive freedom? In the story, we've just been liberated from Egypt. And so all of these laws that we are receiving come in the context of an attempt to create an anti-Egypt, right? An anti-Egypt, a new social universe where at best people proactively care for one another and for the most vulnerable. Parentheses. See Rabbi Stevens' intro in this week's newsletter. And when that doesn't happen, when people don't proactively care for one another or, God forbid, hurt or injure one another, The Torah also provides measures for accountability when injury and abuse do inevitably occur. And so this week we read about the case in which two men are fighting and they push a pregnant woman and she miscarries. So the Torah states that if she incurred no other physical damage, she is owed for the value of the fetus. However, if her life were endangered, she would be owed eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. And so by the time the rabbis of the Talmud, almost 2,000 years later, were writing and applying this law to their own times and context, they no longer abided by the literal principle of eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. However, they concluded from this case in the Torah that to end a pregnancy can be devastating, but it is not tantamount to homicide. Let me repeat that from this case in the Torah. We understand and Jews understand that to end a pregnancy can be devastating, but it is not tantamount to homicide. A couple of months ago, I talked about a different angle that Jews come at this issue from as well. Um, and, and both of these really demonstrate the kind of idiosyncratic Jewish way of, you know, moving from the Torah through a real thought process to arrive at modern applications of ancient values that, that form a real through line that can help us toward really progressive ways of living in this world. So I talked about um, a principle of the Rodef, Um, and Rodef in Hebrew means pursuer. And this is a category of behavior of self-defense, really, that you are permitted to take the first shot if somebody is coming at you with the intent to kill you. And through this lens, through this lens, even, even if the fetus were considered a full person, as is the dominant pro-life lens, even in this case, it would be permitted to terminate the pregnancy if the pregnancy caused danger to the mother. Right through this lens, the fetus can be considered a rodef. And and often for people who experienced trauma, you know, or rape or incest or for many other reasons came to this pregnancy in a way that was traumatic, they experience that pregnancy as a rodef, as a pursuer, and the only way to resolve that deep disconnection with their own body is to terminate the pregnancy. Every mother, every person has a right to self-preservation and self-defense. And that actually includes this particular health care procedure. So even Orthodox legal authorities who take the commandment to be fruitful and multiply, who take it very seriously, they stand behind this. Because remember, in the Jewish hierarchy of values, pikuach nefesh, et etakol, saving a life trumps, Everything else, and and through the Torah's through the Torah's explication, as we just learned, the Torah does not consider the life of the fetus to be of the same weight as the life of the mother. It's the life of the mother who who we're talking about here. So Rabbi Yaakov Emden, who's an 18th century German Orthodox rabbi, he permitted abortion even in the case of the mother's life not being in direct jeopardy, but to save her from great pain. Rabbi Mordechai Winkler, who's from Budapest, 19th century, considered pregnancy through the lens of both mental health and physical health. Um, rabbi Ben-Zion Chai Uziel was the chief Sephardic rabbi of pre-state Palestine and the state of Israel until his death in 1953. He permitted abortion to prevent disgrace or shame. Um, ultimately, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, who's a well-known and respected Rosh Yeshiva in America, was, wrote, it is clear that saving a life is not only the sanction, um, is not the only sanction for permitting abortion. Meaning mean, pikuach nefesh isn't the only reason why we as Jews would permit this very challenging and hard choice. We would permit it for kavod habriot, human dignity. We would permit it for shalom bayit, for domestic peace, and for tsa'ar, a person who's going to undergo great pain. All of these categories carry significant halachic weight in other contexts and should be considered in making these decisions as well, he he writes. This is, of course, not to say that anyone faced with the decision to terminate a pregnancy does it lightly. It is to say that Jewish tradition respects the sincere decision of the person faced with this choice. And our tradition insists that it is a choice to prevent someone from having the choice goes against the foundations of Jewish tradition. And that is why this is as much an issue of religious freedom as it is one of reproductive health and therefore one that every one of us should be activated around until 1973. It was not guaranteed that a woman could get an abortion if she needed one in every state of the union. It is still sadly not guaranteed Um, since June of last year, there have been 561 measures restricting or even banning abortion introduced across the United States, 97 of which have already been enacted into law. Um, Perhaps the most restrictive of which was the Texas law passed two months ago, criminalizing abortion after six weeks and allowing any civilian to bring a case against a provider of this kind of reproductive care um, and have doctors face a $10,000 fine and jail time. So between laws making it harder to vote and partisan gerrymandering of districts to minimize the impact of lower income and minority voters, these kinds of laws are being proposed in dozens of states, and it will succeed in limiting people's access to reproductive health care, and the result will be devastating. And the result will be lives lost um and this will primarily affect lower income people who can't travel across state lines to get the care they need you know as usual people with resources and means will be able to figure this out and the people most directly affected will be the people who can't afford to come to chicago and if this all feels very overwhelming it's because it is i i know i'm tired too and despair is not a strategy it helps to do something so um I'm actually gonna I'm gonna drop a a link ncjw.org backslash act. If you go there, you'll see a number of ways for you to flex your voice on some of these issues. They're all connected, from voter suppression to helping people plan better for creating families. You know, giving access to reproductive health for every person in this country that they are entitled to. All of these things are connected, and these issues are woven deeply into a Jewish sense of a just and healthy world. And a world in which we can operate from our own deeply held sense of values, as much as our Christian brothers and sisters um, with different views can operate from theirs. At the march in Washington, D.C., I got on the train, you know, to the march, and I found myself sitting next to somebody who was about my age, maybe a little bit younger, who had come to the march from Arkansas. And we talked about how many people we expected to be there. She was there with her mom and a bunch of people. Um, I was meeting up with friends. We talked about how necessary and important it was for us to be here. And it eventually became clear to me that she was not there to stand next to me. She was there to counter protest. And uh, when I got off the train, I saw her poster and her poster said, my mother chose not to abort me. And at that moment, I got what she was saying. I got it. I got it. She wanted me to know, she wanted me to know that the miracle and unlikely gift that pregnancy can be, has the potential to be, even one that wasn't planned, was her story. God bless, sister. Own it. Own it. That was her story. But I want to say to her, keep your faith and your story out of my uterus. And to those deeply, deeply believing Christians behind all of this legislation, I want to say I respect your right to your religious beliefs, but I do not share them. And as a Jew, I care deeply that all people have access to the kind of care that helps them protect their lives and live their healthiest lives and be able to bring life into the world only when that is possible which is their choice, and it should be. This is a personal topic. This is a hard topic. Everybody has a story. And if, and if you don't, you know somebody and you love somebody who does. And the more we talk about it, the more we're able to support each other through these moments of discernment and sadness and loss and mystery maybe regret and also of affirmation in the choices that we've made. None of it is easy. Not the decision to bring life into the world and certainly not the decision to not. And we want you to know all all of us at Mishkan want you to know. Your rabbis, this, this whole community, we are here for you to support you. We will continue to lift up this issue and speak up for your health and well-being and being a Jewish voice in this issue, in our country. I get the frayed nerves (laughs) and the exhaustion. And I hope, I hope that rooting deeply in our tradition helps you as it does help me fortify myself and draw nourishment from this deep well of tradition, knowing that these are hard decisions that our mothers and our grandmothers and people made before us and we stand on their shoulders, and they strengthen us. Shabbat Shalom. You've been listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan Chicago. If you enjoyed this sermon and want to join us live, tune in to Shabbat services through Facebook most Fridays of the month and through Zoom two Saturday mornings a month. Our schedule of services and programs can be found at mishkanchicago.org slash events, where there's also a link to donate and support our work. And you can visit us on Facebook or Instagram at Mishcon Chicago. As always, we want to hear from you. On behalf of Teen Mishkan, thanks for tuning in.